0: computer initialize hollow suite
1: media Another wonderful episode of The Expanse, Polisweet Media's exclusive Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I've been with you just about every one of these 21 weeks. My co-host Kyle has been with us most of those times, so he's here with us today. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm
2: doing well, I'm doing well. You're right, I do I do skip a few episodes because I'm a lazy son of a gun. But uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be here as much as I can. I'm looking forward to this this week's episode, actually, Chris, and uh, I love our, I love our book clubs. This is number three, so it's exciting.
1: Yeah, yep. Uh, so yeah, as, as Kyle was teasing there, we're going to be talking about Serac's uh, Soul, like we've been announcing. Before we uh, we get started, go ahead and let you know where we you can find us on social media. It's at NXO1 Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, And we also do have our, our Patreon, and we appreciate our patrons very much. At the time of this recording, we only have two still, but we'd like to have you guys join us, and you can find out how to do that
2: now. If you enjoy listening to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast every week, then please consider supporting our show by becoming a patron. Visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash NX01podcast to view our subscription tiers. Benefits of becoming a Patron include earlier access to our episodes, bonus episodes, and much more. Your support helps us continue to maintain and exceed the high level of quality that you have come to expect from this show. To all our existing Patrons, we appreciate you and your generosity so much. And to those of you considering joining us, we will be so thankful to welcome you into our group of Patrons. Visit www.patreon.com forward slash nx01 podcast for more details you will also be able to find the website link in the details for this podcast episode
1: let's just go ahead and dive right into this kyle uh what were your initial thoughts on this
2: like once i was on an ebook but once i closed the book figuratively speaking i i kind of was a little bit. I enjoyed the book. I gotta say, I did enjoy it, and I, I was okay. making a point of picking it up and reading it, you know, because I wanted to see what was going on. Yeah. Uh, but I was a little bit underwhelmed by the ending, where it was more of a. Uh, I wanted it to be show, not not tell. uh So it kind of yeah. Uh, there was a little bit of that. I did get to the end of it though, and I thought I guess my my main feeling when I got to the end was man, a missed opportunity, you know, because I thought a lot of this book story I thought the idea was uh, was great and there were some really great moments in this book actually yeah. and, you know I shouldn't downplay that some of my favorite moments probably of the first three books actually are in this this story but yeah I guess I got to the end I thought man they kind of they didn't really go as hard into it as they could have you know what about you what did you think of it
1: uh, like you said I did enjoy it I thought it was also you know quite relevant con- considering you know we're in the time of COVID mm. It technically be a medical emergency on our planet yeah
2: yeah everything seems to be like that with track right now it's like <laughs> yeah, discovery yeah. season is unintentionally uh just tied in so much into the covid 19 world and <laughs> so mm-hmm.
1: on okay kind of going back to the to the first part of the book i really enjoyed you know how archer was kind of longingly looking at the planet as they were going in you know having it remind him of like florida or you know south pacific yeah so
2: this book really throws us into it, does isn't it at the beginning so uh, right at the beginning, I believe, it. the landing party are in the shuttle pod. Oh, well, actually, it's a lie. Yeah. There's a little bit with Archer remembering it, his dad.
1: Yeah, they're on the bridge. It's the
2: anniversary of uh, his father's death. Uh, then they go down to the planet. They're in a shuttle pod. And there's a medical, yeah, medical emergency on this planet. So it kind of, I mean, that's one thing I would say with the book. It felt like an episode of the show. Yeah more than the other ones which were still felt like enterprise adventures but this felt very structured like the episodes you know this is an author who yeah. was familiar with the show i think it's safe to say
1: yeah and familiar with star trek as a whole because jm dillard also wrote one of the the best known tos books uh, the lost years
2: oh wow okay i didn't realize that yeah
1: so yeah i'm gonna say if you want to talk us through a little bit more about the about the plot
2: i knew you were gonna drop this on me do you know <laughs> i <laughs> i went as i was reading the book as well i was kind of like i need to send a message to chris that he can do the the recap of the book and i never did it and i knew it was going to get dropped on me even then i didn't prepare anything
1: <laughs> make, make it. Deal with you. For Daedalus, I will do do the plot details.
2: Basic plot of Surak's soul is that, and again, I haven't got anything written down, guys, so I'm going off. uh, I'm going to make this very brief off the top of my head, but yeah, Archer and uh, the Enterprise arrive at a planet that is in um, need of, well, it's a medical emergency. They're dropping dead, basically, Uh, literally, (laughs) just in the middle of their activities. They're just seemingly dying, but no one's dying uh, in any sort of agony or pain. You know, everyone just seems to be contently dying it seems like you know across the uh, planet no one's angry except yeah. for one as we see um so there are like s- an on-off switch yeah uh there are some life signs on the planet but very few and they and even those are dropping off so uh, archer and uh, i think it's archer to paul hoshi dr flox and malcolm reed are mm-hmm. in the ev suits because they're not sure what it is on the planet that could be killing people so they've uh, worn the suits for protection good idea uh, what it makes for really cool yeah. visuals actually because you yeah. know, the way the planet was made out, it's it was like a nice, sunny, beautiful day. So to see like a city or a town where like there may be dead bodies around, I'm thinking I'm getting visuals from like the walking dead in my head of like these barren yeah. these barren streets. To see like the E V suits and like five of them walking down the streets would look really badass. Right. And the book did a really good job of creating visuals in my head for me that would have been amazing. Uh, so they're walking through the cities, lots of lots of people dead. Every time they get to someone who is alive, they die almost They've either just died as they got there, or they die very soon after. They do find one though, where like there's a um, a woman, I believe it was, on a bed, mm-hmm. dead. But the person stood over her, like the doctor, who we find out I think is the husband of uh, of this person or a lover or something, someone who knows him anyway, yeah. is stood over this dead body. But like actually has a face of rage, like anger, yeah. on the face. The only one. Uh, And this image sticks with the crew as well. Like I think it haunts them a bit after just seeing that look of sheer anger on that person as they died. Because I think think it's always a horrible idea uh, to think that in a moment when you die, you could just be feeling such uh, strong emotions of just rage and and such, you know. And this becomes an important part of the episode as well. Uh, As we go on, we will see these characters again. I haven't got the names in front of me, so I'm sure Chris will look it up whilst I'm here almost sinking in this... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in the sea trying to trying to give this uh, description a situation occurs on the planet where one of the so the people who haven't died yet is actually the last person alive on the planet it turns out and tries to attack hoshi and uh, t'apal shoots that person uh, only stun set in but because because of whatever it is because we don't know at this point whatever it is that's killing them that combined with the stun kills this uh this alien the owani isn't it the owani yeah. yeah, off the top of my head, uh, that's the name of the species. So after all this, they go back to the ship. You know, they take two of the bodies with them for testing to find out what caused it. And to Paul, after a few flashbacks, and it ties into the uh, the seventh uh, with this as well, and uh, from season two, when we found out to Paul's past was a bit more surprising yeah complicated you know hunting people down and so she makes a decision that she's no longer going to cause harm because although she didn't intend it she actually was the person who caused the final death of of a civilization you know the last person alive from that species was uh, accidentally killed by her so um, she for all intents and purposes ended ended that civilization once and for all and so she decides she's never going to harm anyone uh, she lets Archer know about this, uh, which really pisses Archer off because uh, he you know even asks her well, what if, you know, the ship's under fire and I tell you to defend the ship. And she says she won't she will not give the order to to fire. Uh, during all this as well, Hoshi's trying to learn the language so that she can um, translate some medical logs, uh, in which we see the doctor with the angry face is in these medical logs. So Hoshi's trying to learn the language from that. Uh, and very soon after they left the planet, actually, they were encountered by uh, an alien entity, which I think is the right word to, to use, which could only communicate with T'Pol. And so they thought she was going crazy at first when she said that, um, she told the captain that she'd been communicated with long distance by some, uh, yeah, alien entity, and it could only, she could hear it. I mean, if you were getting told that, you'd be thinking, yeah, get to sick bay, T'Pol. Yeah. And she checks out, okay, they come back. The entity comes in the end. Uh, Archer allows it on the ship. It turns itself into like a... I don't want to say like a beam of light because it seems to be not solid, but it, it's not in humanoid form, is it? It's kind of like this kind of block of... Yeah,
1: not, non-corporeal. Yeah,
2: like this block of almost light that can just move through uh, through the ship. And it, and it speaks into Paul's head, so it never communicates with, uh, with Archer and, or anyone else on the ship. Uh, we, uh, they call it the Wanderer, or Wanderer rather, no thee. And Wanderer tells them it's that the illness is due to do with the radiation. And that the radiation, there was radiation on the planet that the civilization didn't realize uh, and it killed them. And there's a concern then. They quickly warp away because there's a concern that they've been affected right. uh, themselves on the crew and uh, everyone on the ship. Um, this ultimately leads to uh, Hoshi watches most of the videos and gets to... She kind of understands the language at this point. She gets to the last log where... I believe it, where the the doctor basically realizes. I should actually ahead of this should say that the reason they died was because they were under the impression uh, the Ioani that it was a microbe that was right. causing. Uh, they couldn't they couldn't detect it themselves, but they were under the impression this microbe had caused the illness, and that they are a society who swore to never do harm, and so to kill the microbe and save themselves. Uh, would be to do harm, because who knows what that microbe could... As far as they were concerned, they saw it as a living entity. Right. So they allowed themselves to die for that microbe, which uh, seems crazy on the surface of things. But I guess that's your belief.
1: Taking passivism to an extreme.
2: Absolutely. Uh, We find out that... I find this this scene is chilling for me, when Hoshi's watching this log, and Wanderer's in the room with her, doing whatever he's doing. He's It's been given access to the uh, ship's computer. Shown an interest in Vulcans and everything with T'Pol, so T'Pol loves to uh, loves Wanderer and very similar wavelength, so to speak, uh, with their beliefs and pacifists and all that malarkey. So Hoshi then is seeing a video of the doctor. It's his last one, I think it was. And then he turns, he's talking to someone off camera where he seems to, I think in this moment, realise that they have been given like wrong information about what was causing the virus. And he's just seen, I think, his wife die or about to die. And so he, and he turns and there's this moment where his body and face is kind of lighting up and then uh, he realized that he's talking to Wanderer. Yeah. And Wanderer was on the planet. And Wanderer uh, had given him false information stuff. And it was Wanderer who caused it. Uh, and in that moment when Hoshi realized... I'm getting chills talking about it because I could see it so vividly in my head. And Hoshi turns to Wanderer and then he attacks her. So at this point, uh, Hoshi and flocks are out of action. I can't remember if Readers has uh, succumbed to this illness as well. None of them are dead, though. Uh, cutlers taken over in sick bay. yeah and it's good it, it's funny this is the first time i've seen any of the books try to tackle the issue that there was no medical staff on the ship apart from flocks and they tried to justify it for for archer really and um yeah, which I think actually they did a good job on in the Expanse episode. You know, when Archer's talking about how he, um, when they left Earth, he was all excited and such. But then they kept bumping into bad guys. And I just don't think Archer ever planned to have to use Yeah the doctors very much. I don't think he thought that it was going to be that kind of mission. But once Archer and Co realize what's going on, uh, it almost leads to a takeover of the ship. Uh, they realize that uh, the Wanderer can't go near engineering because of, even though it's like the slightest of electrical signals coming off from uh, the warp core, whatever it was. He can't go near it and actually he feeds off that though with humans and with humanoids. Wanderer swore to T'Pol that it wouldn't hurt any sentient beings but it turns out for Wanderer he doesn't consider humans to be sentient because it can't connect with uh, the humans minds. So as far as it's concerned, they're not sentient, uh, which we have a different idea of what constitutes sentient life. Yes. Um, but he can connect; it can connect sorry, with T'Pol's mind, and so it considers T'Pol sentient, and so it won't harm T'Pol unless T'Pol gets hurt trying to harm it, I guess, was kind of what we established later on. So they eventually move everyone into engineering, the whole crew. It says only 60 crew members, though, but I think that's wrong, isn't it?
1: I think so. Let me...
2: I could be wrong. I thought it was close to 100 or so on... Uh, on the ship. I had 150 in my head, but I think that's wrong. During all this, then it's a long sequence where uh, Wanderer has access to the ship and it kills a crew member and can actually go into their bodies as well and reanimate the corpses and, and do stuff. Uh, they find a weapon. They're ultimately able to shoot it with this weapon, but it doesn't stop Wanderer. T'Pol is in a situation where she knows she probably can only, is the only one that can get closest to it, but she doesn't want to, to kill it. She doesn't want to yeah. do anything that could cause harm. We get a lot of stuff about Gandhi... She speaks to Reed and asks, you know, how did Gandhi help the Indians liberate themselves from, from British rule? And he talks about how, you know, whenever if everyone got gunned down or shot down, just another one would replace it and so on. And to Paul, from this, gets the plan to, to link arms. Feels a little bit like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> to link arms with everyone that was in the armory at this point. So they moved rooms. And they're in the armory. And the idea being that the electrical current that every human was given off, if they're all linked by hand, it would make the electrical current stronger. They had this idea that Wanderer basically couldn't consume much of like our electric current, or whatever it is we give off, couldn't take too much at once. But it has no choice. It tries anyway. It's a undoing basically mm-hmm. pretty much ends up half the size i think and then we just cut to later we found out a vulcan ship had shown up had locked it away in some um confinement thing that would hold it until they could retrain it whether or not that was even possible so the enterprise goes off on its merry way Shut up pod team i think minus flocks leave to go back down to the planets leave a monument about the uani and that's it uh, that's the story pretty much i don't think i missed anything important there oh uh by the by the end of it topala changed her mind had a face pistol on her um, waist and she was saying that while she didn't want to do any harm, looking at what the Owani did where they allowed themselves to die because they didn't want to harm a microbe, she realised that there is going too far with not want to do harm. And there are some situations where self-perseverance is paramount. So you have to be able to, to defend yourself when need be. End of the episode, so they reset Paul to where she needed to be from this, uh, back in line with the rest of the show. And that's it. I think that's the whole story. Yeah done sorry i went on for a while <laughs> i was on a wing i was winging it doing that i hand back over to you
1: as far as you know different episodes that this kind of felt like what do you think it would be
2: well there's obviously lots of tie-ins to the seventh so would have been cool to get more tie-ins to that really yeah and, and just more callbacks i think all we really got was sort of soft references to it so um, it would it would've been nice to jump in more on that and the psychological effect it had on mm-hmm. to paul because a lot of stuff happens off screen so to speak in this book. Yeah. Paul comes to this decision about not doing harm off screen. This happens off screen. The, the ending happens off screen. We don't see Wanderer get stopped and confined. You know? So I think, yeah, the seventh, I think is a good callback. I think, and just any episodes where they kind of visited the planet not really knowing what to expect. So I guess you could look at Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Is what I always think of when they're approaching the planet. I thought of that at the end of the book when they're going to get in the shuttle pod and fly down to the planet. A, a little bit of Fight or flight, maybe. Yeah. And they find all the dead bodies and they're walking around the EV suits. How about you? Is there any episodes that you particularly connect with with it?
1: Like you said, uh, the seventh and then also Catwalk.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: They're, they're also in the second, second season, just with them yeah. being all together, protecting themselves as best they could.
2: Which, in hindsight, I guess, for the story where they needed the like, that electrical signal would have been stronger in the nacelles, I'm assuming, no? Mm hmm. Do you not know think so? I'm guessing this story was getting written before Catwalk yeah. had been written or produced.
1: With with my little reading guide, um, this this story actually takes place between uh, the Communicator and uh, Singularity. So the seventh was was just two episodes beforehand.
2: So it could be a couple of weeks before uh, in the yeah in the case of the so that's, that's between episode uh, eight and eight and nine. Yep, eight and nine. Uh, two good episodes, by the way. The singularity, I say now, is a track classic. I'm putting it out there. Track classic. So we'll,
1: we'll have to throw that on the on the list though that way we can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we
2: will. We will. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and like I said, yeah, the catwalk is just, you know, about, you know, four four or five episodes later too.
2: So presumably it wasn't. It would have been in as this book was getting written, mm-hmm. that script probably existed for the catwalk, but uh our author probably didn't have uh, access to right. it, or oh, too late. Too late in the game. Yeah, um, the book would have come out after that and such, but yeah, too late in the game to to change anything. Which is, I mean, it's not a that's not a game changer. You're not right. I didn't even think about it until you said you know in in the story. So but yeah, very similar concepts. It's funny that they would have been come out at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> they would have been thinking about you would have an author of a novel and a and a writing team thinking of a similar idea at the same time. It's cool.
1: Yeah, because yeah, this the the book actually came out about. Two and a half months after the episode aired, after the catwalk aired.
2: So, what do you think of the actual? I did the rundown on the plot. Then, yep. what did you think of the plot as a whole?
1: Um, I I really enjoyed it. Um, it it is sort of your you know thread of the week type of deal. Yeah. But Jam Diller did a did a good job putting it all together. You know, because I mean she she knows how to write Star Trek, and this is one of those prime examples of.
2: I love that it started like in the thick of things for the most part. Mm-hmm. It was a bit different to you know buy the book really. Didn't it? Well, it never got going, yeah. <laughs> but it certainly didn't in its first half. What Price Honor did, you know, what Price Honor really threw us in. Yeah. Going. But I like this one. It felt different. It felt alien. We were on an mm-hmm. alien world. But like I said as well, the shuttle pod scenes felt like they were on the show. But I'm talking like inside the shuttle pod as well, just like the yeah. camaraderie and things like that. I thought they really sort of felt like the show. But I like, I really liked the plot. I thought basic. I mean, I'm reading on my Kindle, so I don't have any real concept of page numbers i'm just looking at percentage yeah. <laughs> and so i don't know how thick it is but it felt like a short book but it's, it's kind of funny oh there you got it in front yeah. of you yeah so it looks like, like how many pages is that i'm curious actual
1: physical pages in the physical book 218
2: oh yeah so very oh gosh yeah very short uh, very short story then and i didn't think it needed to be like it's funny because i could Part of me will say that for some reasons the story was, it dragged out. And then another part of me will say that there wasn't enough in certain areas of the story. Like, I think they, I guess they couldn't take any longer to get to the reveal that Wanderer was uh, was a villain. Yeah. But after that, things dragged big time, I thought. But then they rushed the ending. Yeah. Like, like I said earlier, you don't see the ending really. And it comes to it really quick. He just Paul has an idea. I think she just goes like she talks to Reed and she turns. She's like Captain, and before we know it, the next bit they're all holding hands and it's done a couple of pages (laughs) later. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's just like oh come on, like these are the bits I want filled out. I want to see how the Vulcans get it into this uh, containment thing. Like how did it? How did you all suddenly beat it? You know, like that was frustrating to me, but it did drag, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Didn't you not think it dragged when? When they all moved to engineering, it, yeah. It just kept going and going with nothing happening. I was like, come on. We're taking another step. It, it,
1: We're taking another step.
2: <laughs> yeah, like that reveal that reveal uh on the um the medical mm-hmm. logs when Hoshi sees it, that is a chilling yeah moment, man. I, I realised I had suspicions anyway about Wanderer, mm-hmm. but like that flashing and when they talk about the flash and the light and stuff and the colour and it was coming on, I was like, Oh my god. Yeah. It, it's it's Wanderer. And it's oh, that was so spooky and eerie. Probably didn't help I was reading it in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I got the paper white Kindle, so you know it just lights yeah. up the screen. And um, and that that, that was brilliant. Your cat could
1: have snuck up behind you and really gave you a jump.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, do, he does enough of that. A uh, little kitten the sod. So I mean, like that moment was brilliant, and it. It didn't completely pay off on it. Like when to Paul was asking, went and questioned it. It wasn't really acknowledging it right away, yeah. and then it just was very flat about how it. I just felt like Wanderer was such a cool. Up until shortly after, we found out Wanderer was the villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was. It was such a badass villain. Um, but then it kind of the wheels kind of fell off, and it just became like a monster over the weekend. episode yeah. in the sense, like you know,
1: kind of, kind of seems like like you know, almost almost about the reverse of Anakin and Darth Vader. Because, you know, you got, you got this, yeah. this this weak, weak little thing with Anakin and then, you know, once he gets into the... Or like, you know, after he has his, you know, no moment with talking about Padme, that's when he becomes really the badass.
2: Yeah. And they didn't really make much of the fact that, obviously, Wanderer... I didn't I forgot to mention this. Wanderer manages to turn the ship around to head back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Wanderers can see that there's however many billion non-sentient yeah. life on the planet. And so there's... Suddenly, Earth is in danger. Yeah, but we never really get much out of that. No, we never see Archer dealing with the fact that I guess beyond happening shockwave, where Earth was gone in the future, yeah. Archer hasn't had to deal with a an event that threatens Earth.
1: Right, uh, uh, but ab- up until this point, yeah.
2: Yeah, so this was the first time. So I would love to have seen a bit more explored about that. And what did that? What did that feel like? Yeah. for Archer, you know, there was there was just stuff. That just, I thought the story was was really exciting though. I did enjoy that and I liked the way it was framed. I just thought, I mean, characterization was really strong. This is actually why sometimes reading could take me ages because when I'm reading a good book, yeah, like a tie-in fiction, when it's good and I can hear the characters' voices, I take longer reading them because I'm... Listening to them. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm listening to it. I'm, I'm hearing the delivery and I... And I don't want to rush it because I'm thinking, man, this is a new story. This is a new yeah. Enterprise episode. I want to hear Trip to Lily's Lines and Archer. So I thought that was really good. Very much like What Price Honor, which nailed it as well. But i got to be honest, I thought Paul's characterization and writing sometimes felt off. And yeah. the only thing I can think to say is that it didn't feel like T'Pol a lot of the time. It felt more like Spock or Tuvok. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're the you're the TOS guy.
1: Yeah, I, I did did get definitely more 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 of a Spock than a than a T'Pol vibe from from how how T'Pol was written. But there are again, you know, J.M. Dillard's bread and butter was TOS novels.
2: Yeah, at, at and beginning. it's a shame though because T'Pol is not Spock. No. In any way, she's almost the opposite of Spock. Yeah, and she's not not Tuvok either. No, she's not. And I definitely just got Tuvok and Spock vibes with T'Pol. And I just don't, I'm just not sure if the decisions T'Pol made in this story were true of of T'Pol as well. I just, I couldn't see T'Pol coming to the conclusion that she was never going to fire a weapon again. Like the idea that she would not even have Enterprise defend itself when she was in command, I find that unlikely. Uh, We'd seen so much... In the previous uh, one and a half seasons or mm-hmm. one and a quarter seasons, that told us that T'Pol would actually, she's very—I um, uh, don't know what the word is—but matter of fact, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And if Enterprise had to defend herself, she would do. She would do just that. The book's got her on the cover. Mm-hmm. She's on the cover yeah. of the goddamn book, <laughs> and she was the one character who just was not behaving. How we know to Paul to behave?
1: Maybe she was possessed by a wanderer the whole time, and that's what led it.
2: <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I need to reread the book and and see what was going on. I mean, for all of that that went on, right? This random yeah. decision as well that she's not gonna ever do harm to anything again. She changed her mind. Don't. She changed. I can't wrap my head around this. Maybe you can explain <laughs> it to me, Chris. She changed her mind, right? Mm-hmm. After her approach of doing no harm through like weapons yeah. and stuff worked. It worked. And then, like, the very next scene, she's got the goddamn phaser back on her, in its holster, on her hip, yeah? And she's realised, actually, no, you do need to carry a weapon around. Now, I agree with that idea, like, you, know, that she, you have to defend yourself uh, in these situations. You can't say you're never going to. But how did she even come to that decision? If she was saying, oh, it's because of the microbe uh, with the Oani, uh, like a city that they, let her, they thought they were going to let a microbe live. Well, she knew that. Like a third of the way into the yeah. book, so why didn't she make the decision then, when the, their lives are in danger? Why did she make the decision after? I don't understand. It's as if she proved her point to herself that she could do that. They could uh, end that situation, uh, new to the threat, right. neutralize the threat without without killing doing any like yeah without killing it. But then she just made this decision that actually no, I do need a phaser. Yeah, I know it had to be done because the. Whole thing with tie in fiction when it's during the series run is you have to leave the characters exactly how you left them, yeah, uh, how you started with them. Sorry, that
1: big old reset, but,
2: button. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you hit the big reset, but we didn't even see how she came to this. It just, I felt it contradicted what the book's ending of the main plot had right. told us. I don't know, what do you think? Yeah,
1: I, I agree. Now, I think, had had it been, or had they, you know, made an entirely new character, and you know, had that been the you know been that dynamic then yes um i mean it, it probably could have worked because then we would have been able to see or if it was written from tupole's perspective in mind so that way you know we were seeing everything through tupole's eyes you know with the vulcan set we can we could we see that decision i i'm not really sure who's you know Big decision it was to you know just go ahead and throw throw uh, to pull on the cover and and you know you know call it Surak's soul when when really it could have been you know the Wanderer's mistake or something like that.
2: Yeah, I mean let's let's talk about that then because um, this book has nothing to do with Surak. No, at all. um You could have you could have called it Gandhi's soul. Yeah, and it would have been more <laughs> relevant to the <laughs> to the episode. You know, uh, to the sorry to the book. It's not a Tapal story. No. It's not told from her perspective. Obviously, a few scenes are. But the whole book's like that. Whereas What Price Honor was told almost exclusively from... From Malcolm's perspective, this one was not. It jumped around. I would say predominantly it was from Archer's yeah. perspective. With we jumped to Hoshi for some scenes, trip maybe to Paul a little bit, but yeah, it was predominantly Archer though. But it was nice. It was. It did feel like an ensemble book in that way. Right. So I kind of liked that idea. It was jumping around and we weren't just getting one voice. But you know, you're going to call it Sirax Soul and you're going to put to Paul on the cover, and it's not her story and it's nothing to do with Sirax. You're
1: expecting, you know, more things about Vulcan and not, you know, the threat of the week.
2: There's nothing about what we get. Two flashbacks, yeah, and that makes it a pole story. We see
1: her mom, I think, for like like one of the first times too.
2: Yeah, yeah, and we see her in like uh, I guess the equivalent of like university or something. Well, not university. I think she was like ten in that scene, yeah. but uh, see her in school, and uh, we see her accidentally kill a bug, which is the idea of that. I could visually see it on yeah. screen, and I could see it working, but I just like even the flashbacks didn't fit.
1: Yeah, and then then maybe Do you not think? Maybe, maybe there again we actually probably should have seen this played out on screen, and it would have made more sense. Yeah.
2: Like the flashbacks came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't, never saw them again. Yeah. There was no other flashbacks, so it kind of felt like a weird plot device. It, it, on on TV screen, yeah, you could get away with just doing those quick, as you said. Yeah. You know, if it was on TV, we could do a few of those little quick flashbacks. But I just felt like we never saw those again in the rest of the book. So were they added in after? I don't know. Yeah, the DePaul stuff is just... Inferior, like you said, the name of the episode, uh, the name of the book just doesn't yeah. tie in with, with what was going on. It could have had, yeah, it could have had any other, any other name, couldn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you think of The Wanderer?
1: I, really, def- definitely an interesting concept, you know, seeing how, you know, I'm guessing it sees those with telepathic powers as sentient more than just, you know, you know, people like us. So, like. They could have met with the betazoids and 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 betazoid would have been safe mm. type
2: yeah. of thing. that was a great idea, wasn't it uh-huh. the that made me think i'm gonna look at, I'm, i know i've had a i've gone in hard on the Paul stuff, but i mean this this is a good book stuff, yeah, and the debate about you know what constitutes a sentient life is uh, is quite brilliant, and I' never really thought of it that way, you know look, we're using our rules our and um, what we consider something to be mm-hmm. and saying that's the rule that that's how it is but well no if 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 we are just ants to someone else like if there's giants living on the planet and we just look like ants then they'll just step on us like yeah. ants you know they'll treat us like ants like we like we treat ants so i really like the idea that for wanderer it didn't consider us to be uh, sentient life but i like that's a really good idea and it made me think but does it Makes sense because Wanderer, as a higher being, could see that they're operating a starship. Yeah, you know they can't connect with the minds, so it doesn't think it's sentient. It's just like we don't think certain animals are uh, uh, sentient um, because I guess for similar reasons Um, they don't show uh, an awareness, uh, you know, to what they're doing and things like that. But yeah, I just thought a little part of me was like, I was like, well, how isn't Wanderer recognizing that? Yeah. This crew is sentient because, yeah, I can't kick their minds, but look what they're doing. They're flying through space in a in a tin can, you know Then what you mean? again, Maybe
1: it's it's seeing the ship as like an anthill.
2: Very true. Very, look at that. You turned it back on me. So. <laughs> uh, no, that, that's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, had you ever really thought of it that way with sentient life? Did, it, did the book actually present something new to you, like food for thought?
1: Definitely a different concept of, of you know, what other people could consider, and I say, you know, people... In like an alien type situation here people think sentient life would be definitely completely different from what we we learned in measure of a man so
2: <laughs> i thought the uh yeah i thought wanderer was a really a really good villain like, as i said a few times that that scene where wanderer was outed as the villain i thought was a, a really well written scene very well written uh i could i could honestly just picture it like it was as i was reading it and you know the writing was very good in this book very strong um what was uh what were some of your favorite scenes oh, for you
1: um, like I say yeah like like you said you know when when Hoshi comes to the realization that wanderers the yeah. villain, yeah you know they're again you know, like I said, you know they're towards the beginning of the book with you know Archer just you know kind of thinking back to you know florida and 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 the South Pacific, looking at the the scenery flying in,
2: hmm, I love the mess hall scene when Archer had a uh, trip reading and Hoshi. Yes. in. I thought that was, uh, it just felt like something uh, on the show, you know, and uh, I thought all the characters were written really well. Malcolm being a little bit Awkward. nervous being <laughs> there, which we had established on TV earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Hoshi being there. I can't really remember ever seeing Hoshi in there on screen. So that was, yeah, that was cool. Uh, so that was one of my favorite scenes, actually, that one. And the, the action scenes are pretty cool. Uh, Archer's sort of face-offs with Wanderer in the corridor. Yeah. When Archer, when Archer found uh, the crewman dead. I mean, we've discussed in the last book about how actually no one died on the Enterprise until the, uh, the Zindi uh, mission in Season 3, but we forgive it yes, uh, yes. On, in these books because they, they do need to be able to kill people. Yeah. They have to. The problem with it is if they go too far, it's like, well, this ship can't restock like the Enterprise uh yeah. or uh, the D because they haven't got access to, to just Starfleet personnel just like that. <laughs> Should we talk about some bits that felt a bit odd? First off... The whole thing with Archer's father, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense no. in the book. Like, what, they kept harking back to it, but there was never a payoff. No. Well, this is actually true. This is probably a true criticism of the whole book. No, there's so many ideas thrown into the pot, and very few of them have... Well, none of them have any payoff, yeah. I don't think. Any.
1: Like I was saying before, you know, this was probably better meant to be seen on on screen.
2: Mm. And it would be a really good episode. I mean, uh, There's one one scene that really I found problematic and disappointing early on. I don't know if you're going to know where I'm headed with this. After they'd been on the planet and they came up, they were in the decon uh, chamber. Yeah. Now, the show had obviously hinted that Malcolm had a little bit of a crush on T'Pol. I don't think he had the hots for her, but it certainly had a crush. Yeah. Now, this scene goes in strong on that. Yeah. They've rubbing been on each other. I think Phlox and Archer are doing themselves. So oh, she's already been done. So she's just sitting down at this point. And T'Pol asks Reed to apply some gel to her back. And the whole bit is just written where, again, Topol is being objectified from a male gaze, and what's meant to be a professional room with these gels, uh, it has got Reed basically loving the fact that he now gets to, you know, rub gel on, on this woman who he fancies. and
1: He's turning into a teenage boy.
2: <laughs> yeah, and don't get me wrong, like, you know, I know that's what the decon chamber was there for, ultimately. One of the only real reasons you can, ways you can jump in and buy into the decon chamber is if you think that they as a crew consider it a completely professional environment yeah. and a, a part of the job but what this scene did was make it feel like how we the audience yeah. see the decon chamber like reed was seeing it as a opportunity to touch up to paul yeah. really just my just my feeling and I, I did like how it was written don't get me wrong like you know he got so nervous and uh was rubbing her too hard at one point and so, I did like all that, but I just, it was as I was reading it, I was like, oh man. Yeah. I was like, this bloody Decon Chamber, it's like, it shouldn't be written like this. This is not, this just feels like I'm watching a UPN advert yeah. now, you know? And um, so, I was disappointed with that bit of it. I just thought it presented and- the Decon Chamber wrong. It broke that, I don't know, I guess it was kind of breaking the fourth wall. It was kind of saying to us, yeah, yeah. it's all about sex. Yeah. <laughs> but- which,
1: which, you know, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, J.M. Diller decided to write it specifically that way. To kind of, you know, stick it to the show saying, hey, you know, back off on that.
2: <laughs> yeah, but again, it was to Paul though. And then that also didn't go anywhere. Yeah. That didn't go anywhere. It was just a little bit. It, I think it was trying to show like, hey, I, you know, I watch the show. I know that Malcolm has a, a thing for yeah. for DePaul. But I will say, though, that Malcolm was great in this book because there's callbacks to ShuttlePod1 when he's trying to tell Trip that he wants to leave everything <laughs> to him when he dies i just thought this is just hilarious and just it and the way trip was like saying no no it just felt like we were really living some scenes from from shuttle pod one in that episode how about the characterization of archer in the book and we've said the characterization was good but i thought this was a really you know archer hasn't had very prominent roles in the two books previous and by the book kind of was but it was more focused on that bloody uh, role play game <laughs> in the mess hall than anything else. And so this was a good chance to sort of get an Archer adventure. and yeah. Do you like Archer in this book? Like he's yeah. a bit of a hero, but almost a bit, felt a bit like Jim Kirk running yeah. when he runs into Wanderer. I don't get me wrong, Archer is that kind of gung ho hero, but I wouldn't have had Archer as the guy who would just running, shouting, thinking he's probably just going to kill himself. But jumping into Wanderer, I just feel like he'd, he'd be stood back with that phaser for a little bit just to suss out. What to do. It felt a lot more like Kirk would be. Yeah.
1: But there again, you know, this is a hundred years before Kirk. So somebody's got to be there to, to write the manual for how Kirk's supposed to act.
2: <laughs> well, we were meant to believe that Archer is uh, Jim Kirk's childhood hero. Yeah. Aren't we? So I think that was, the, that was how they were basically advertising it, wasn't it? So, But no, I loved all the scenes and I, I thought the scenes were very vivid. But yeah, just, you know, there's a lot of problems with it. But it really, for a book that kept me on the edge of my seat, so to speak, uh, particularly at, when the reveal happened yeah. with Wanderer. I just thought, oh, I just was waiting for it to finish Yeah. as it went on there, you know, because it was stop, start, stop, start, stop, start with uh, how they were dealing with the threat. And the threat, cool idea, very Star Trek idea, really, I guess. the um, Not so much the link in arms, but the idea that there was another way to end it without having to resort to violence, but then to not get the payoff, not, yeah. not, to not see it. And didn't, we didn't see payoffs, anything in the book, I don't think, off the top of my head. It's just For me, that cheapened the book. I, uh, I mean, what what would you rank it of the three we've done? So-
1: I'd say what price honor so far is still still the top one. Mm-hmm. Sir Axel, I'd say based on you know getting getting the most of the voices right, better that that'll put it at number two with, with yeah, yeah. With the, by the book there there at the beginning. they are the model.
2: I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. I think the uh, this book, how much do pages say? Like two hundred and nineteen yeah, or something like that. There. You give this book seventy pages more and I think or seventy to a hundred. I think you've got a really good novel. And I think that uh we'd be sitting here maybe having a different conversation about which yeah. one was, was number one, uh between that and what price honour. Uh just the book was really ambitious. I think um maybe too ambitious for what it was trying to do. Um But I mean JM Dillard did a good job, I think. Oh yeah. Uh JM Dillard wrote the next book, which was The Expanse yeah which we're not going to do as book club because it's um it's just a novelization uh, of the tv episode but um definitely got all the characters right But yeah the oh, so many missed opportunities in this book and oh i just wish i'd got some resolution on any of yeah. it and i just wish that T'Pol had acted like T'Pol. yeah any any thoughts from you on the uh, on the book that we haven't really sh- shared um
1: don't say that 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 we haven't really shared i mean i, I did enjoy it
2: Oh yeah, but we, we both did. I think we can agree on
1: that. it's really kind of kind of hard to find, you know, the perfect, you know, enterprise book because we're, you know, used to reading the books from the other series where it's and I'm, when we read those, they're sort of more established in what they want to do. And here we're we're yeah, starting yeah. out basically, you know, same same with the series.
2: Yeah, and these are uh, like by the book had the um the the challenge of. Only a few episodes mm-hmm. have really aired of the show. So that's, as you expect by the book, is kind of at the bottom of the pile yeah. for us because there's some characterization issues and things like that. What Price Honor nailed it. I yeah. struggled with sticking the landing on a part of it. Like it dragged on a yeah. bit, but very good book. Uh, and this one, again, the same challenge. You know, they've only, what they're saying, is it takes place between episode 8 and 9. So that's uh, twenty-six uh, 30, between episode 34 and 35, really, of of Enterprise. Yeah. So. That's not that's not a whole lot of material to to go right. on. So you know, so exceptional characterization, a story we wouldn't have got on TV. You know, we wouldn't have got Wanderer. Yeah,
1: just because of the budgetary issues. But
2: yeah, uh, and even the alien planet, the scenes that were laid out for us, they wouldn't have been able to do. I don't think on on TV. But uh, yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I, I really enjoyed this book. I did really enjoy it. Um, but I was more angry that it wasn't <laughs> didn't like live up to its. Billing. Complete potential didn't yeah didn't didn't just go gung ho for yeah. it kind of teased you with all these little things threw a lot of stuff in the pot but then just kind of left the pot there yeah. and walked away yeah <laughs> I did something else that's that's kind of how I, it felt and
1: unlike I'm, I'm, when when Hoshi got got obsessed with with re, with making her her family di- dish
2: yeah 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 see Singularity <laughs> that was a great episode man I'm telling you so yeah uh, good book gets me excited for the next yeah. ones we're still stuck in the The books right now, which have to, as we said earlier, hit the reset button at the end, uh, which that's hard for books as well. That's why we had so many relaunch lines with all the shows because they could actually do what they wanted with the characters and change, have you know, have consequences to the stories and and character arcs, uh, which these ones can't have. This is a good addition, (laughs) I think, to the Enterprise line. We've said before, Chris, that these are like new episodes for us. Um, You have the ninety-eight, or if you want to go ninety-seven episodes of Enterprise for the finale. You know, these are the extra episodes, the the last episodes and I I think this one would proudly have, have been a good enterprise story.
1: Definitely. And yeah with with the you know kind of speaking of you know the orders and stuff, after after Rosetta we've got we got four four more books before we get to our our relaunch and yeah. and the authors hit the big old reset button on on the finale.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And I know we've got people listening who um actually we should probably say we, we've been told by a few people uh, on social media and such that they've started reading the enterprise books mm-hmm. because of uh because of our podcasts uh on the books so i mean thank thank you for that that was the whole point yeah. really was to try and get people to join in with it and we've got some who are saying they're going to jump in with us when we get to those relaunch books so that's coming guys yeah 2021 uh, we'll be we'll be on those books next year and those are bigger books yeah so i'm gonna have to definitely read them <laughs> further ahead of time they're like they're talking three to four hundred page books so uh I can't just rush three days before the uh recording of an episode to read a book because yeah. I'm not I'm not that fast to read it. I fall asleep, mate. It's like a
1: yeah. I'm not I'm not that fast either. So it's
2: <laughs> audio books, like you said before. We'll just get the audio books yeah. and uh, and go from there. The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, is produced and hosted by Chris Hill and myself, Kyle West, and is a part of the Holosuite Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Expanse, be sure to follow NX01 Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find Chris Hill on Twitter at TheChrisHill, and myself on Twitter at KyleThomasWest. To join the Holosuite Media Community Discussion Group, simply type The Nexus into the Facebook search bar, and we'll see you there. Thank you for listening.
0: This show is brought to you by Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Sweet Media programs.
1: Loading Sweet Preview Program for Boldly Go, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast.
0: It's too much effort. I'm busy. I gotta
1: get this done.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had stuff to do. He had logs to plant. He had a ship to take over. <laughs> He had an entire plot to uh, to fill out and make everyone think that he needed to have a trial for mutiny <laughs> because that will distract everyone long enough for them to get to Talospore. He's busier than Prince Humperdinck.
2: Loading Sweet Preview Program for
1: StarPod Trek, a podcast exploring Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future.
2: So we're seeing that the early Star Trek conventions were were a nice balance between science fiction and real world science, and that was cool because th- because a lot of uh, Star Trek fans are interested in science, and a lot of, and I mean all of those um, science guests that were there probably were Star Trek fans, and and they they probably even said that that they got into science because of their love of Star Trek. Loading
1: Hollow Sweet preview program for the Vedic Assembly. A Deep Space Nine podcast. We don't know what that Cardassian technology is, but it could, yeah. Do
0: we need to know? No, nah. we don't need to okay, know. Just some knew, bit
1: no. of... Self-sealing, self-sealing stem bolts.
0: <laughs> yes, it wants those self-sealing stem bolts.
1: And <laughs> Somebody wants them.
0: <laughs> because self-sealing, you guys. Yes. I mean, it's not just a regular stem bolt. <laughs> I don't know why you don't get why these are so valuable. Okay. Computer, deactivate Suite.